It's nice to be with you. Uh, thanks so much for being here. We're talking today about Child Abuse Prevention Month, which is April, and it is the last, kind of last Saturday in April, so we had to wait to get Glenda on, and uh, I'm happy you're here. Glenda, good morning to you. Thank you. Good morning. All right. So, um, Glenda is with us, and we're going to see how the microphones are going to work if we do work in in court with each other. Uh, Glenda Noyes is the executive director of the Gallatin Valley CASA GAL program, GAL. And CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate, and GAL stands for Guardian Ad Litem. This nationwide organization has grown to 949 programs in 49 states and the District of Columbia, with more than 76,000 volunteers serving over 251,000 abused and neglected children annually. Uh, the uh, Glenda is located at the Law and Justice Center. She is on the third floor, room 313. And that telephone number over there is uh, 406, obviously, 582-2051, 2052-2051. And there's two websites I want to give before I get Glenda on. There is the Gallatin County CasaGal.org website, C-A-S-A-G-A-L, so Gallatin County CasaGal.org, and there is the nation or nationwide organization CasaForChildren.org. Great to have you on the program, Glenda. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, it's uh, what a work you do. Yes. This is a dedication. I, 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 I really would like to ask you and also let the listeners know, what got you into this? Well, I um, I guess I've always had a heart for at-risk children. Oh. I grew up in a home where we had um, foster kids on occasion, and um, I have older siblings who also had foster children in their home. Um and several years ago, I decided that I was ready and and wanting to become a foster parent myself. So mm-hmm. I became I did the training to become a therapeutic foster parent, mm-hmm. which is different um, yeah, than being that. a state foster um, home in that you're dealing the the children that you have in your home are generally kids that have been from a lot more difficult situations or have higher needs, um, you know, have maybe more behavioral problems or emotional problems stemming from whatever they had experienced before coming into foster care. You obviously need to have a huge heart to do this. Yes. At the same time, you need to have a very smart brain because you're going to be challenged by a lot of unpredictability and what is it that you have done specifically in your training that you decided to to become a therapeutic foster parent what is it is it really just because the love in your heart or did you have to take special training in order to understand the ins and outs of everything that is involved here you do take special training. Therapeutic foster care requires, um, I think, about twice as much training hours annually 
as state foster parents are required to take, as well as the initial pre-service um, training hours are more extensive as well. So, um, you know, you there, the homes that children um, go into need to be prepared for a huge gamut of um, behaviors and issues that they're going to have to deal with. And, and I think the average number of placements that a foster child goes into is three or four. Okay. So, you know, they blow, we call it blowing out. Mm -hmm. They, um, they can't make it in that home. Either their behaviors are beyond what that family can handle or, or things just go wrong. So the more training, um, uh, the foster parent or parents has the, the more ability they have to maintain that placement. Um, you know, I, I will talk about ACEs, which is yeah, adverse sure. childhood experiences later, but, yeah. um, being trained and understanding how, how trauma and the things that go on in a child's life affects their, their actual brain and then therefore affects their development and their ability to, maintain in situations and and leads to other behavior issues helps a parent be able to understand that it's not you don't take it personal um and and learning different ways of of managing through those difficult situations with a child mm. glenda noise is my guest on gesundheit with jacobus uh, she is the executive director of the gallatin valley casa how do you say it casa gal or casa GAL? i say casa got casa gal Casa Gal. Yeah. Okay. Casa Gal. Casa, court appointed special advocates and Gal, guardian at Lightem. Um, I, I am, I'm simply intrigued. I, uh, uh, I'm a father of three children who are all adults right now. I have two grand, uh, grandchildren and I am just amazed by your heart what you do because not only do you have a full-time job as an executive director helping other people helping and and you, before you got that you were already doing this work and also to have you have a teenage uh, foster son I is do. that right mm -hmm. and so how long will you be able to help him to take care of him at this point well ideally he would be with me until he um graduates from high school okay um he is 16 now and will um be he he won't be graduating until he's 19 so you know okay. at at 18 of course he would have the choice to stay in care or not yes um so we we just see how it goes yeah. you know if he if he wishes to stay with me um that long or um if they if he finds that he wants something different before then the state would work on that. But yeah. I know that we're going to hear more of your personal story as the, the show goes on. We have a caller would like to okay. ask you a question. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining the program. What is your name, please? How can we help you? Good morning, Jacobus. This is Tyler. Uh, Hi, Tyler. Good morning. Uh, so you guys kind of, I've been hearing about the uh, child abuse and neglect cases and Montana really wants to kick up their, uh, uh, helping kids and such. Well, so with my personal story, I have a three-year-old daughter who I got through a child and abuse neglect case because the mother was 
doing such things, but back in 2015, a child died. And you probably saw the story in the paper of uh, the child that died at the My Place Hotel. Yeah. The child died yeah, from right. trauma to the head and neck. Mm-hmm. And my daughter was in that room when that happened. Wow. And that mother still has parental rights to the other children. She's still allowed to see them. She, The state did not find it uh, fitting to take her parental rights away. She has decided to marry the uh, alleged uh, murderer, to put it bluntly that way. And they took over a year to even charge this person. And this woman still is allowed to go out and create chaos. Yeah. And create chaos in the kids' lives because she never wants to be in their lives. She, her main goal is basically to live off of the welfare, welfare state, food stamps and whatnot. Mm. So I guess I'm kind of looking for where is the state going to pick up and say these kids need to be away from a mother and stop thinking that mothers can do no wrong and that they can be rehabilitated because this is four kids in this mother's life Wow, that she just doesn't care about. Hi, Tyler. I have to be careful because I can't speak specifically to any particular case because of confidentiality rules and and whatnot. But I do know that is a frustration that is shared by many people. The The role of the CASA or guardian ad litem in these cases is to seek out and, and advocate for what is in the best interest of of the child, even if that goes against what Child Protective Services is working towards. A statute does require that Child Protective Services work towards reunification with the, the parent or parents that children are removed from. And so that often ties their hands in, in how they're dealing with these cases. Mm-hmm. It's, it is a frustration sometimes while, while there are many parents are very capable of being reunited, reunited with their children with some rehabilitation and therapy and, and proven sobriety and things like that. There are cases where that's just probably not going to be suitable, especially if there's a situation of mental illness that it goes on untreated or the parent just doesn't make the strides that they need to to get their children back. So I share your frustration. I think that a lot of it is driven by legislation that that requires that reunification effort. And hopefully, you know, your child is in a better place and and things can be done for for children like like your child and, and others in those situations so that they aren't continued to be put in a place that's unsafe or unstable for them. Right. The issue that I have with the guardian at Lightham was the one that was appointed to this case felt it fitting that the uh, kids still see this mother that has had an ongoing history with CPS. I I believe that this situation is prior to my tenure, so I can't say how that, I can't speak to that. Even if I could, it's, like I said, a confidentiality issue that I can't speak specifically to any one case. So I, I don't know the history or, or can't speak to that in that situation. Um, each guardian ad litem is independently appointed by the judge, though they're under 
you know, significant supervision by my office. You know, they they have to look at the huge picture, the big picture, and and make their recommendations. And and I'm sure that we're not always a hundred percent on on the right track either, but we do do our best. So when do when do the guardian items are they going to side with the parent that isn't about abuse and neglect and trying to protect the child? I guess what can I do in this system where I'm getting perpetuated to keep going to the courts to make sure that my child is safe and the other party just wants to keep filing paperwork and wasting money where they're never going to go through the programs, they're never going to be right for their child and as that such. I'm not sure I understood the the actual question. Can you... Well, I guess what I could do as a parent to make sure that my child is going to stay safe and out of um, the reaches of the court stepping in and saying, no, you have to allow your child to see this person, even though this person is married to the murderer of her child and still continues to create more issues uh, with her other kids and neglecting them, not wanting to see them or any of that such, not wanting to support them. And then you go to the courts to try and get parental rights revoked so that we can't deal with this anymore and the kids can live a happy life. Have you sought out a parenting plan in your situation? Um, yeah, but she doesn't even, I didn't search out a parenting plan. I have 100% custody and she filed her parenting plan and that went as far as she filed the paperwork and has not done anything further. Didn't do the classes she was supposed to, didn't file the extra paperwork she was supposed to. So now it's just sitting in limbo up in the courts, and I still have to keep paying lawyer fees and court fees. You know, I that just needs to be washed out. Tyler, I, uh, I, my goodness, what a what a horrible story. Um, but I, I think the best is that I'm. First of all, I'm glad you called because it it, it shows an actual situation to the listener. But I don't know if we're able on this program right now to uh, to solve the issue completely. And I, I I hope that if you are in this neighborhood, that you maybe set an appointment with Glenda at uh, her office at five eight two and then whatever the other number was two zero five one five eight two two zero five one. And maybe visit her in the office and sit down and and um, get her full hundred percent attention to uh, to focus on this for you. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, Tyler. Tyler. I know I feel the pain, and uh, at the same time the total frustration because if you get the runaround from the court system and you know the the thing is just like the parents who are really caring for the children end up spending a lot of their time which they are willing to do but they have a job often and they cannot miss that many hours the most people have a day job so the time when you would have to go see somebody in an office it is when you're working also so it is hard to get time off and uh, to uh, to try to solve or at least get some answers solve the problem or get some answers uh, at the same time we we um, need to understand we were looking at what you're doing and and this is also this is an volunteer job now you're probably paid yes but the people from casa and gal are volunteers and so i thought maybe you want to explain to our listeners what is all this about tell us what casa 
and Gal uh, Guardians at Lightemis. I've been reading about it. I got a lot of information here. Uh, maybe you want to tell us first the history, but uh, with the with the uh, Supreme Court justice. Sure. So um, our the the Casa program was started forty years ago this year in King County, Washington, by a, re- uh, a then judge, uh, David Sukup. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, you know, sitting in court in these kind of situations um, where the parents have an attorney and the Department of Family Services has an attorney and everyone's advocating for their position. But he would go home at night just really frustrated and... Um, feeling like he wasn't doing justice for the children because they they didn't have someone speaking just for them. Right. And so he started a pilot project in 1977. Yeah. Where he was he had volunteers serving in just the same capacity that we do today. Hmm. Where there they were assigned or appointed to advocate for the best interest of the children alone. And, you know, they, they came in as an independent party, not affiliated or associated with, with either side. They're, they're not part of the court system. They're not part of the child protective system. Um, they're not affiliated with the parents in any way. And their, their role was to investigate and, um, and research and get to know the child and figure out what indeed is the best interest of that child and then make recommendations to the judge going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, um, like you said earlier, there's over 933 programs or something like that today in 49 states. North Dakota doesn't have one. I'm not sure why. Yeah. <laughs> um, so North Dakota has the one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are nearly 77,000 Casa or guardian ad litem who are who are volunteering. Yeah, we currently have um, the last statistic I saw was over two hundred fifty thousand children being served across across the U.S. in Every this capacity. Year. That's yes. right. So, um, yeah, and w- so and then I was reading that uh, Judge Joe Gary is the one who got the program started in Montana. Yes, he went to some conference, and I remember Judge Gary. Uh, pretty well, had some real nice conversations with him, of course, later on life. But uh, he started the program apparently in 1986. And so yep. that must have been when when Anita got involved. Yes. And so she's been yep. kind of the trailblazer for the program in the Gallatin County. Yes, Anita Naibo and Judge Gary back in 1986 began yeah. the program here. Anita was working out of her basement initially and uh. um, got the whole thing up and running. And then in 2001, the program became an official nonprofit. I so see. they served for... And that's when Nancy joined also. Yes. Right. So and Nancy, what's her last name? Nancy Mitchell. Nancy Mitchell. Thank yeah. you very much. So, you know, Anita was like the heart and soul of this program for 30 years until she retired last summer. That's so. right. And that's what I read the article, not last summer, but I read the second article that uh, came uh, end of January. Right. And that was in kind of an unexpected article. They said that was part two of the interview and they didn't know it was ever going to be published. Uh, so they got some 
telephone calls from people who were kind of upset because they felt there was an attack on child protective services. But um, in any case, Judge Gary uh, was interested. So it was the fact that I know who he is, uh, I wasn't aware of this until I read this yesterday, that he was the first one who said, we got to do this. Yes. Yeah. And I know uh, every judge since that time, Judge Salvani has been very strongly involved. Uh, he just retired, right? He did. And so this is, uh, that is the history of um, of this program. The, it, what is the difference between CASA and Guardians at Lightem? What's the difference? In, in our system, in our program, there is not a difference. Okay. Um, in, in some other places, there is a difference, but for, for our purposes here locally, the, the name is used interchangeably. Um, some, some programs in other places are, are just a guardian ad litem program and not a CASA program also. Um, I'm not sure about the ins and outs of why that is. Um, our judges really know us as guardian ad litem here. We added the, the CASA title, um, uh, several years ago. I'm not, I'm not sure at what point, um, in order to be affiliated with the national program as well. And so we're, we're accredited through national CASA and, and there was some legislation this year that actually put the, the CASA, the court appointed special advocate term into the legislation too. Okay. So that they're, they're kind of interchangeable in, in statute now as well. I see. Glenda Noyes, my guest on Gesundheit with Jacobus, uh, the telephone number where you can go find more about CASA and Guardian at Lightem is 582-2051. The website is Gallatin County Casa Gal, G-A-L, dot org. And you find all different links to other website, including the national website. It's really an, an amazing program. I'm so glad it's here. We're going to hear a lot more from you as the next two hours uh, unfold. The... The understanding that indeed a group of people, and we're going to talk about how this works for volunteers, a group of people literally says, because the judge says, I can't figure out hat nor tail on who is right and who's not right. And he decided to work with these people who said, okay, then we're going to do the interviews behind the scenes. We're going to talk to the janitors and the neighbors and the, the grandparents and the, the, the friends and uh, whoever knows these children, including the children and the parents, and we're going to interview everybody. Then we're going to find out what is the common thread amongst the whole story. And you're going to present that to the judge. So the judge says, well, this must be the truth because everybody else is kind of dealing with this. And that's kind of the program. Correct. And that is a lot of work and uh, unbelievable. When you think about 251,000 cases every year, that are need to be discussed. Uh, folks, we're going to take another break. But when we come back, Glenda Noyes talking about Child Abuse Prevention Month with this this month, April. Please stay tuned. We're going to be right back. Mm-hmm. 